Thank you, choir, orchestra, congregation. Sometimes I listen to the music in our service and I wonder, why am I even here? I could just enjoy the music and the, the worship as we worship the Lord in music. So thank you so much for that. When I was a boy, I, I loved baseball. One of my favorite players was Yogi Berra. He was not only a great baseball player, but he also is probably better known for some of the quips that he made. One being, it ain't over till it's over. Now it's my guess that many of you have made resolutions as we have come into this new year. You're gonna do better this year. You're gonna go on a diet, you're gonna exercise. You're gonna save some money, take a trip, whatever it is, but you're going to do better this year. Well, I just wanna to say to you that the year ain't over in January. I am hopeful that you accomplish everything that is good, everything that you intend to accomplish this year because we know so many who do not. I have known so many Christians who were on fire for the Lord, but they fizzle before they cross the finish line. There are businesses that started off with a boom and ended up bankrupt. I have watched churches that shot up like a rocket and then fell like a rock. It always disturbs me when I see some of the students in our church and in other churches. They have grown up, they have been faithful to the Lord, they go off to college and then they fall by the wayside. Today I want us to look at the story of Solomon and perhaps it will help us in our commitment. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 11 beginning in verse number 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. When we look at the story of Solomon, he began in a powerful way. He had a love for God. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, Now Solomon loved the Lord. So when I'm thinking about Solomon and the life that he lived, you need to understand that in the beginning, in the early days of his life, the Bible says that he loved the Lord and the focus of his life was the Lord. That's just the way it was for Solomon in those early days. You might recall that when he was anointed to be the king of Israel. He had a dream about God and the Bible says in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. Now can you imagine that? That God speaks to you and says, what do you want? What is the desire of your heart? What would you like for me to give you? Ask what you will give me. Well, what did he ask for? Did he ask for riches? 
No. Did he ask for long life? No. Well, what did he ask for? Well, the Bible says in 1 Kings 3, verse 9, Give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people to discern between good and evil. When Solomon was asked the question, Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? Didn't ask for riches, didn't ask for long life. He said, God, give me wisdom that I might be a good servant. Do you see, when we see Solomon in the early days of his life, he loved the Lord, the Bible says, and his focus was God. He wanted to be a servant who honored the Lord. Because of this, he was greatly successful. You know about some of the success of Solomon. He became a powerful leader in the world. During his reign, Israel had never controlled so much territory. They had never benefited from so much trade. He was a world leader who was looked to for counsel and advice. In fact, the Bible says that the Queen of Sheba came from Africa because of the wisdom that he had. She wanted to learn from this man. This was a man who had the wisdom of God on his life, and therefore he was very successful and they were very prosperous. His reign was said to have been the peak period of Israel's prosperity as a kingdom. I want you to understand that in the early days of Solomon's life that everything was going well. He was after the heart of God. He asked for God's wisdom that he might lead the people in a wise way. He was prosperous. He was successful. Israel was successful and prosperous. He built magnificent buildings including the temple of God. And the Bible says, if you read the story about the dedication of the temple that he had built, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord filled the place. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. The glory of the Lord filled the place. Sometimes, Steve, when, when we were singing a while ago, I just feel the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. And the Bible says that when they dedicated the temple, that the glory of the Lord filled the place. He had mines and refineries, fleets of ships, and a collection of horses and chariots. We just got back from Israel, and one of the places we go that has been excavated is Megiddo. It overlooks the plain of Armageddon. And uh, that was a place where, one of the places where Solomon housed his horses. There was wealth, and there was horses and ships and chariots wealthy beyond imagination. The Bible says in 1 Kings 10, 23, so King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. I read one commentary that said the gold Israel received annually during his reign was $16,250,000. I know that's not much today because we talk in terms of trillions of dollars. I have no idea what that is. But the Bible says, or the commentary said that it was $16,250,000. During his reign, there was a chicken in every pot and two chariots in every barn. I just want you under, to understand that, that during the early days of his life, that his heart was committed to God, that he received the wisdom of God, that he was looked to by other world leaders 
He was successful and wealthy beyond imagination, but then something happened. We have all witnessed the fall of mighty men. It's always sad. I still remember when Richard Nixon had to step down. It was a sad day whether you liked him or not. It was a sad day that a man who had reached the pinnacle of power now has to resign in disgrace. In the religious world, we've seen Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, and others who have had to step down. They, they've fallen. The great have fallen. Solomon's end is a tragedy of Scripture. He began by asking God for wisdom. And then he fell because he didn't pursue it. Solomon asked, what you would that I give you? Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. God gave him wisdom, but then he didn't pursue it. Now, I want you to notice God's promise in chapter 9. Look at verse number 4. And as for you, if you will walk before me, God is speaking to him, if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Did you read that? Did you notice what God said to him? God is saying, I will bless you, but it is contingent upon your faithfulness. I will bless you, but only in your obedience. And Solomon fell. In our text in verse number 4, For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. How'd that happen? How, how did it happen that a man who was so blessed, a man who was doing so well, and now he falls? How did that happen? Well, for one thing, he ignored his mother's caution in Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 3, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. If you read Proverbs chapter 31, that was a beginning of the admonition that a mother is giving to a son. So he paid no attention to that. He ignored that. He ignored God's command in verse number 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Guys, can you imagine trying to please a thousand women? Can you imagine that? Some of you are seated by your wives and you're not going to say anything. But the Lord had warned him and he ignored the warning. He had a thousand wives and concubines. Nehemiah had warned against that, Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. That is Nehemiah 17, 17. Don't multiply wives to yourself, he said, lest your heart turn away. It's exactly what happened to Solomon. His heart cooled towards God. Verse number 6, And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Did you see that it says that 
he did not follow the Lord fully. Folks, let me tell you something. You will follow the Lord fully or you will leave the Lord completely. That's the reason Jesus said that you cannot serve God in mammon. You can't serve God in this world. And some of you are trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you are not going to be successful. That's what, that's what Solomon was trying to do, his heart cooled. And then that led to idolatry in verse number 7. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. You see, when our heart becomes cool towards God, it always leads to idolatry. In fact, one of the things that's always interesting to me, or it's, it just seems a little uh, unreal to me, is that you stand there in Israel, in Jerusalem, at the gate where they went up, at the steps up to the gate where they went up to worship the Lord, and then you look out on the mountain, and there's where Solomon, you can see it from there. There's where Solomon built the altars, the pagan altars. He didn't follow the Lord fully, and as a result of not following the Lord fully, he became involved in idolatry. He ignored God's command. He had ignored God's wisdom. The Bible says in Nehemiah 13, verse 26, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the nations there was no king like him. And he was loved by his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. He ignored the wisdom of God. In old age, he experienced youthful lust. And the wisdom of God was replaced by his own foolishness. King Saul said, I have played the fool. And certainly that was true of Solomon. Here was a man who had been given God's wisdom and he played the fool. He fell spiritually and he lost the blessings of God. God was angry, verse number 9. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. You know, a lot of times we soothe ourselves by thinking only of God in terms of God being loving. And God is loving. But God's holy. And the Bible says that he was angry. They almost tell us today that if you're a Christian and you're angry at anything, then you must not be a Christian. God was angry. He was angry at sin. And there are times whenever the people of God need to be angry at sin. God was angry. His enemies opposed him. Verse number 14. Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon. Look at that. The Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon. Hey, Dad, the Edomite. He was of the royal line in Edom. God raised up an enemy. Folks, if you're not faithful to God in his blessings, then he will, take, he will raise up an enemy to remove the blessing. 
When you and I are not faithful in the blessings of God, the blessings that God give to us, when we are not faithful in the blessings of God, he will raise up an enemy to remove the blessings from us. So he lost his kingdom, verse number 11. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. God warns him now then Solomon because of this, because of your sin, because you've ignored my words, because you've not kept your part of the bargain. He said then I'm going to take the kingdom that I have given to you and give it to your servant. But you know what is amazing to me as I read this story, as I read this passage of scripture? Even in his loss, God was still gracious. I'm going to remove the kingdom from you. But even as God removed the kingdom, he was still gracious. He didn't do it immediately. Look at verse number 12. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. So God says, I'm going to remove the kingdom from you, but not during your day. I will do it during the day of your son. So it didn't happen immediately, and it didn't happen completely. Look at verse number 13. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. God says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, Solomon. You haven't been faithful. I'm going to remove the kingdom. I'm not going to do it immediately. I will do it during the day of your son. I'm not going to do it completely. I'm going to leave one tribe. So even in God's judgment, he was nevertheless generous. Solomon had a good beginning. He had a wrong ending. He fell spiritually and he lost the blessings of God. All right, what lessons do we learn from Solomon? I mean, that Solomon, what lessons can you and I learn from Solomon? What, what are the teachings that we should understand here? Well, let me give you two or three. First of all, successful beginnings don't guarantee successful endings. Solomon began wonderfully well. He sought the wisdom of God. Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? Give me understanding. Give me wisdom. He start with the wisdom of God, the power, prosperity, success, all of those things. He started well. I just want you to understand that a successful beginning does not necessarily mean a successful ending. Judas, look at Judas. Sometimes I'm, I marvel to think that Judas was a man who sat at the feet of Jesus. He listened to the message of Christ. He saw the miracles that he performed, all of those things. And then he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and committed suicide. Good beginning, bad ending. Demas, the scripture says that Demas served with the apostle Paul. But then he became enamored with the world. He found himself in the world and he was attracted to the world. He loved the world and he fell aside as a result of it. Why do successful beginnings 
oftentimes end in bad endings? I mean, you've seen it, so have I. Someone starts off, they have all the potential in the world. It looks like everything is going well for them, and then they end poorly. Why is that? Well, let me make one suggestion to you. Oftentimes, it is simply a lack of discipline. A lack of discipline in one's life. The world's greatest salesman is the story of Hafid. He was given principles to make him the greatest salesman in the world. The first principle given was this. I will form good habits and become their slave. That's the first principle to being the greatest salesman in the world. I will form good habits and become their slave. The book concludes, in truth the only difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of their habits. Habits impact our lives, don't they? Physically, if we exercise and we eat, and I'm I'm not going to speak about gluttony because it's just never been my favorite topic to preach about, but we know we know physically if I exercise, if I eat right, if I do those things, truth is I may not live longer, but I will live better. Mentally, if I discipline myself to continue to learn, I know that there are many who go to school and and they receive their degree and they never read another book. They never learn anything else. Continue to learn all your life. As long as the Lord leaves you here, continue to learn. And you'll have a richer life spiritually. Cultivate the habit of reading the Word of God, of studying the Word of God, of prayer, of worship, of being around the people of God. And your life will be better. The first lesson I learned from this is that successful beginnings do not guarantee successful endings. The second lesson I learned is the wrong crowd will lead you down the wrong road. Look at verse number one. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. Neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Don't don't do that now, Solomon. Don't do that, because they will turn your heart away. You get in the wrong crowd, you end up on the wrong road. I'm always pleased when I see our students graduate from high school And then they go to college and then I worry about them a little bit because I worry about what crowd they're going to get in. And students, let me say to you, you'll find your crowd. You're going to find what you're looking for. I don't care if you go to USC, if you go to Clemson, you go to Charleston Southern, CIU, wherever you go, you will find what you're looking for. You will find your crowd. 
But if you get in the wrong crowd, then it's going to lead you down the wrong path. And what your parents or grandparents told you is true. If you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Third lesson I learned here is that affluence deceives. Now understand money is our spiritual. Having money is neither spiritual nor is it unspiritual. It's the way that you use it that determines whether it is good or not. But let me say this about affluence. First of all, it is a demanding master. It requires time to accumulate it and time to protect it. It is a demanding master. It requires time and oftentimes it requires the sacrifice of things that are more valuable such as your family. I remember when Jimmy Johnson became the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he divorced his wife, and he said that he did so because he would no longer have time for them. To give up your family, to get this over here, it'll cost, sometimes it costs you your health. I had a friend who had a lot of money, and he told me one time, that you sacrifice your health to get wealth and then you spend your wealth to try to get your health back. And he did and he didn't. He sacrificed his health and he died when he was 50-something years old from heart disease. Affluence is demanding. It is also disappointing because wealth never produces satisfaction. There is no contentment in it. You know, let me ask you a question. How much money would it take for you to be content? Million dollars? Two million? Ten million? How much money would it take for you to be content? An American billionaire was asked that question and he said, just a little bit more. And that's what it takes. Just a little bit more. Because money will never satisfy you. It is temporary. You're not going to take it with you. As has been said, you never see a U-Haul trailer following a hearse. You are not going to take it with you. And the pursuit of wealth can lead to sin. You see, some things are wrong not because God condemns them. God condemns them because they're wrong. Something else I learned is that God responds to sin with judgment and grace. He did with Solomon. And you can look back through the Bible, Adam and Eve sinned. The judgment of their sin is they were removed from the garden. The grace was they were clothed by God. Cain killed his brother. The judgment was he was moved from the garden of Eden the grace was God marked him so someone would not kill him. God sent the flood in judgment. The grace was he provided an ark to rescue them from judgment. There is judgment for sin, ladies and gentlemen, but God has sent Jesus Christ to provide us with grace. I conclude by asking, how are you going to finish this year? It's not how you start it, it's how you finish it. How are you going to finish it? Solomon had a good beginning, but he was disobedient, and that led to a wrong ending. 
It is not how we begin, it is how we end that is important. The Apostle Paul began as an enemy to Christ and to his church. He ended as a servant of God and a champion for the church. That's the reason at the end he said, I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished my course. That's what I want to do. That's what I pray for you. When you come to the end of life, you look back over it with as few regrets as possible. When you come to the end of this year, you look back over it with as few regrets as possible, able to say, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, and I finished my course. It will be a good year for you if you do. Our gracious Father in God, we come to you thanking you for your grace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to the hearts of those present today and for anyone who needs to make a commitment to get this year started right, that it might end right. Father, I pray that today you will draw them unto yourself for salvation. Father, for those who are looking for a church home, I pray they might feel comfortable here, that you would send them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. If you're here and you're not a, not a Christian, not a believer, you've not trusted Christ or you're not sure, why don't you come, let a staff member pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. You feel free to come. Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.